From RealGhostStoriesOnline.com, this is Real Ghost Stories Online, the podcast. It's group therapy for the paranormally affected. Phone number to call is 855-853-4802, 855-853-4802 with your real ghost stories. We'd love to hear them. We share them here on the show. And then we discuss on the air, on the podcast, and also our community discusses them. When they call in, they write in, or immediately up there on our forum section on the website at RealGhostStoriesOnline.com, so you can always join in there 24 hours a day seven days a week be sure to press that subscribe button to the show that to make sure that uh, you get the show as they come out you have to search us every time we're right there for you it also helps us grow the show as well and it lets other folks discover us by you simply pressing subscribe so thank you in advance for doing just that also want to thank you and thank our many folks who've become epps that's essentially our VIP exclusive program we just started up here this last week at Real Ghost Stories Online. It's uh, stands for Extra Podcast Person. And those folks get an extra podcast of the show every single week. A bonus episode that we create just for them. It's only uh, five bucks a month to become one. You get uh, the extra podcast. Uh, you'll have access to a whole bunch of other extras that we'll be putting out uh, in the coming months and years. And uh, that $5 goes to support the show because uh, as wonderful as it would be, it's not free to make the show, produce the show, get the show to you, host the show on uh, servers and all of that. In fact, it's quite pricey. Uh, so that uh, that $5 a month goes to help support the community. So uh, thank you so much. If you became an EPP already, we greatly appreciate it. And if you've not become one, please do become one and get in on that uh, extra episode. Uh, and I want to say this again. We're not taking anything away from the regular free episodes that we're doing every single day here. It's all there. It's not going away. Uh, it's just an extra way that you can get some more stuff from the show. Uh, and keep us on the air. It helps support us. So... Uh, really, I think a thank you is in order to all the folks who are supporting the show, because those are the folks who are really, truly uh, helping uh, keep this show going. So, again, thank you so much. You can help out. If you're not one, on our website at Real Ghost Stories Online, click that Become an EPP button. In fact, our first episode of that just went out uh, the other day. Some really interesting stuff on there. We'll talk about some of the content that's on that episode. Uh, a little bit later on in the show here at Real Ghost Stories Online. On today's episode, we got a lot of stuff. We're going to hear from Joe, our demonologist friend in Florida. Yay. little update from him on what's going on in his world. And, of course, calls, letters, whole nine yards, as always, here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Uh, Rhonda writes in uh, about the uh, the funeral questions that we've been having. Oh, about the embalming and everything? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Rhonda says, my daughter's a funeral director. And nope, you don't have to be embalmed if you choose not to, at least in Canada and the U.S. And the body doesn't explode with enough pressure to break the casket. Oh, that's interesting. Caskets break over time under heavy topsoil if the burial isn't done in an outer uh, receptacle container. She says that the uh, it's a newer practice of using these containers uh, that help preserve the grave sites now. So... There you go. My question about the whole thing is, once you're down there, once you're in the ground, does it really matter if your grave cracks or if your casket cracks or explodes or, you know, you're, you're going back into the earth. You're going back to become part of the earth, essentially. Does it, do you want to be a mummy? I mean, I guess if, if that's a big thing to you, if you really want to be in, you know, rotting-esque form forever... Uh, okay, but once you're down there, does it really matter? In theory, no, but I would do it for the sake of my family because how often do we get stories about, oh, this used to be a cemetery, but they moved all the graves and they made it a yeah. park. Yeah, that's the concerning part. So when they move those and they have to dig up somebody. It'd be nice to be in a, a, a form that's movable. I think it's just um, considerate for those who have to move the graves and the family yeah. and everything to just just make sure you do everything that yeah. you can. That's just one of those things, right? I just... They I don't want to find an oozy pile of grandma. You I know? know? <laughs> That's just gross. I, I just... I have really... My feelings about that whole thing in general where they have to move grave sites and around for shopping malls or whatever they want to develop in certain areas. I'm sorry. It's a graveyard. Don't touch it. Just leave it. I don't care what you want to develop elsewhere. There's a lot of open space. There's no real shortage of space. 
uh, in most places. You know, well, in most places, but there are some places where there are shortages of space. Well, I mean, if you just then, then start going outside of the city boundaries, you know, the, I, I don't I don't see the need ever to have to dig up a cemetery. Ever. I agree. You know, I, I I don't know. I agree. I mean, I do see how some places like, you know, like Manhattan, there is a limited amount of space there. Sure. I don't really understand or know what they do comes yeah. assuming they have to go. I think they should just look at the grave the sites. Yeah. I mean, I just, but I, I, I understand. I agree there. I totally get that. And I think for the most part, they're pretty respectful of that there mm-hmm. uh, with their grave sites. Um, but in some other areas, I just think it shouldn't even be looked at as an option. No, it should I just agree. be like, it should be the equivalency of just, I, I don't know what, what it would be like a deep, deep lake that you can't fill in or just something that is just not a physical option to to remove, you know? And right. unfortunately, I think a lot of developers like it, look at it as an actual option. And that's where it's, yeah. yeah. I think it's extremely disrespectful. It is. And it bothers me. And I wouldn't want that done to my family. I mean, yeah. I I knew a family who chose to have a graved move mm-hmm. moved for a reason. And that's different. That's re, that's a different reason. Yeah. That was their choice. Yeah. And, um, but I, I don't think that. Yeah. If family choice comes into play. Right. Okay. But here, here's what would end up happening. You end up getting, um, uh, and I don't know if they do it to older grave sites more than they do to newer ones where a lot of the family of some of these folks essentially are gone, you know, at least immediate family. They really don't remember these people. You know, did you drop a chocolate on the ground? I did. And I can't, so this is why you shouldn't be eating chocolate on the air. I look forward to my ghost <laughs> stories and my chocolate. Did you find it? Yes. Is there hair on it? I don't know. I think it was five second rule. <laughs> yes. Look at that. It's not fuzzy. It's fine. As I was saying, um, I think you end up having the, the grave sites that get moved and they look at it going, well, you know, we didn't really know them. It's great, great grandpa. Do they get offered, but does the family get offered money to move the the grave site? Like, you know, when the city tries to buy a home because they're expanding a roadway. Eminent the, domain. I don't know if. Is that how that works? Domain. I. You know what? I would bet that they would offer to pay for the new plot and the, the cost to bury. And that was it. Yeah. I doubt you're going to get any extra money just for the the yeah. traumatization because i could totally see like a great great grandchild going oh yeah sure i'll take the extra five grand you can move grandpa great great grandpa i never really knew him anyhow i could totally see that being the case you ate hair didn't there you there was hair on it yes <laughs> that was gross ah uh, there you go it's not really live radio but we don't really stop to edit anything no on this show, we should edit so, so much and we don't so there you go. Jenny just ate uh, chocolate with hair on it. I spat it out. <laughs> Dennis writes into the show to the woman that had three imaginary friends. She said that this that, that she had one who would show up in a bunny costume. Uh, they'd show themselves in forms uh, that were comfortable. Uh, with I watched a documentary last night on hauntings and a man who claimed to see spirits, one of which dressed in a wolf costume. He seemed to be pretty convincing. It was a pretty good documentary. We should watch it sometime. And he gave me the link. It's on YouTube. What are the odds of that? That's interesting. How often do spirits dress up? I wonder. I don't know. Uh, but I think someone beat that woman to her uh, her concept of uh, dressing in costume when you die to come back in costume. That's awesome. Oh, you're talking about the lady that wants to be buried in the elephant costume. Yeah. Yeah. That's hilarious. I love that. Yeah. That would be... Uh, so someone kind of did it with a wolf costume. That's that's interesting. Okay. Did they bury themselves with a wolf costume? I don't or, know. I don't know. Or is it something demonic that wants to change how you view them? I don't know. I would think it would just look like a wolf, though, if you were, you know, a demonic spirit. I don't think the wolves, you know, they're coming <laughs> back from hell. Are are necessarily stopping off at the Spencer gift store to pick up their costume, you know, and, and looking like and their a, Ouija board and their Ouija board, their pink Ouija boards. I think they could probably pull off a better than the uh, the costume store outfit. Yeah, <laughs> Just, I know. Although it would be really convincing, you know, I'd be like, oh, this isn't a demon. You're look at this costume. It it comes from Party City. 
I, I know that costume. You're not a demon. You're wow. Dale from down the road. You died three weeks ago in a motorcycle accident. You know, <laughs> something like that. And it turns out to be some, you know, demonic spirit. Ah, gotcha. You thought I was wearing the Party City costume. You know, that's how that works out. Yeah. <laughs> 855-853-4802 is a phone number to call in with your real ghost stories. 855-853-4802. Speaking of demons, uh, let's talk to a man who knows quite a bit about them. Our uh, friend Joe, the demonologist in Florida, is calling in. Hello, Joe. Good morning or afternoon, uh, Tony and Jenny, my favorite uh, people that I love, too. Uh, this is Joe, the minister and demonologist. I have a ghost story quickly, but briefly before I, I talk about that, there was an incident when I was a younger man that worked for a cable company. Uh, I met this individual young lady that I was going to go over help on a Saturday. But first, I had to do overtime. I got up that Saturday morning. My car would not start. Would not start to save my life. We changed out the battery. We did everything we could. Uh, what I was going to do, uh, probably Sunday morning or Monday morning, was take the car in and try to get it serviced. Um, we tried all day. And then I said, well, I'm not going to go see that woman. I said, it's not worth it. <clears throat> Excuse me. So then the next day, she started right up with no problems. Couldn't find out why it uh, wouldn't start. I feel there was a guardian angel stopping me from going over there. I might have been hurt or even killed. So that's a true story of what really happened. And, and a ghost story. Uh, a, a year or two back, uh, this Michigan young couple called me on the phone. Uh, me and my wife my team went over there uh, on 4th of July. Uh, the day that we walked in there and in the morning, they were getting ready to leave the apartment. The story was, is when they moved into the apartment, um, they started uh, at each other's throats. Uh, also, when the, her mother's, uh, excuse me, I'm getting ahead of myself, the young girl's parents came down, and they were married at least 25 years, and all of a sudden, before the end of them leaving, they were going to get a divorce. Uh, the minute they left the apartment and went back to Michigan, uh, they were fine. So upon on the investigation, we found that uh, several things happened. One night when they were coming home to the apartment, uh, they have a door from the kitchen that leads outside. Their shot glass, a couple of them, uh, were aligned on the floor. Um, I picked up when, uh, her, the young lady's friend that died a couple years back. His initials were carved in to the wood of the flooring. And when they would look at their, uh, you know, like a yearbook or pictures they had, uh, the young man's picture was constantly coming out of the, of the book there and landing on the floor. I believe the young man was trying to protect them. His name was Mike, uh, who passed away before uh, they came down from Michigan. Uh, we came on the scene and uh, we did the interview and uh, we did the cleansing and got rid of the demonic entity out of the apartment. So a lot of strange things that uh, happened in the apartment. Also, the lady was touched, and, uh, but the boyfriend was, I think, an alcoholic, and that was feeling the demonic entity's um, effect or influence on everybody in the apartment. So that was an interesting uh, little ghost story there that we did, and it was very successful. Also, there's a hell, Michigan. I think you were, Tony, I think you or Jenny was from Michigan or something like that. There was a hell, Michigan. Uh, interesting name for a town. And also the, um, the Richard individual. Uh, we did uh, contact your personal email. Uh, look under either ministries, and that should be the information. Uh, if you can get Richard to email Wesley or me a call, um, we can start the investigation, and we also can get, I don't know where he lives, but uh, get over there or somehow set up with the blessing that we do for the, uh, for the client and get that uh, demonic entity out of the environment. The sound that you heard on the recording was also like an old man wheezing. You know, like if you have asthma or something like that. And I would classify that as an EVP because that's the only thing right now that we can classify it as. Because you were listening to the recording and you also picked that up on the recording. So yes, I guess you 
you have to call it an EVP. Um, you guys are doing wonderful things for people. Um, this is the first show that actually people can call and express their feelings. And also, with your show, you can, get, you can reach out to other people like me and have other people that call in and contact people like us so they can get help. So a network can start forming, and we can start helping these individuals. Oh, I messed up on the name. It was Ed and Marsha Becker. I don't think you know those individuals, but they had some uh, demonic uh, cases, or not cases, I should say they've had some connection with stuff like that in the 70s. Uh, so uh, Ed Becker is a well-known author and a, kind of like a friend of ours. Anyways, um, <clears throat> like I said, with the Ouija board, um, what you could do is, if you're going to use it anyway, is to say a prayer before you use it, and then say in the prayer when you uh, are, are done using it. I also would like to do a prayer for you guys, a blessing prayer uh, for you and the listeners, but I want your permission to do so, because I don't want to step on anybody's toes, but... Uh, next time I call in, I can do a blessing for you guys, and I'll, that will protect you. One more thing on Sage, from my understanding of it. Back, a ways back with the Indians, they would use Sage, the smoke, to see the spirit. That's what I believe Sage does. All it does is visually give you a uh, sight of the entity. That's what Sage was used for. I, I talked to a good friend of mine that is, uh, is Indian, and his tribe used that, and they, they still use it, and the tribes way back used it. So again, I will reiterate, Sage is a form of visually seeing the entity. I really feel it does nothing for cleansing homes. Um, and the guy that is doing EVPs in his house, he can draw those entities in by paying attention to it. A friend of mine did the same thing. She started doing EVPs, and she brought a negative entity into the environment, and I had to expel it out. So be careful on doing EVPs. Any type of paranormal work that you do, it would be a good thing to do a prayer before you do it and end it with a prayer. Because you're, you're uh, asking for God's blessing to protect you. Because this is a spiritual realm, which means you are dealing with spiritual people. In the Bible, God, Jesus, spiritual beings. So it only makes sense to do that type of protection. That's just my take on it. And uh, Tom and, I mean, Tony, excuse me, Tony and Jenny, be careful in using the sage in your home. Um, because I think what you're going to do is you're going to try to like you're looking for entities. But like I said, I can do a blessing for you guys and give you protection. And if you still want to do some sort of paranormal work in the home, that really should protect you. Okay? Well, anyways, um, Tony and uh, Jenny, I love you guys. Keep up the good work, and I'm going to donate in the show. I'm, I'm happy for the PayPal also. With Richard, we did send you the personal email. Uh, again, your ministries. So, anyways, I'm going to go. Hope I didn't talk too fast. Um, everybody out there, God bless you. Uh, be safe and be well. You too, Tony and Jenny. And I will speak to you again. Uh, everybody have a good day. All right, bye. Thank you, Joe, so much for the call. Uh, a couple things. Uh, number one. Yeah, I'm totally open to him doing a blessing for us. I am. I think it's fine. I hope nobody yeah. else cares. No, that's fine. So feel free to do that, Joe. Uh, number two, uh, I did get your email, Joe, um, uh, with the contact information. Our issues, I and I tried to get it over to our friend Richard. Um, he has yet to email us direct. He's only called into the show. And I've asked him to email several times in several different ways. He's yet to do that. So as soon as he does email... I can then uh, pass along the contact information. I did actually try calling uh, Richard in Chattanooga the other morning. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, the thing we got, we went to, because I just found the number that he called in on and just tried calling it back. Um, it went to a voicemail that had uh, full messages is what it said. So I couldn't leave a message even. 
Um, and uh, so that was that. Um, but uh, if he is listening, uh, please do email us, uh, Richard, and I can pass along that information uh, and you can take it from there. Yes. Did you have anything you'd like to add to? No, I okay. just really enjoy it when he calls. Yeah. When I Joe calls. Yeah. I like hearing from Richard, too, just saying, just yeah. so we know that you're still doing all right. Yeah, it would be Or good doing as good as you can be in the situation. Yeah, if you can, uh, please, Richard, email us so we can pass some of that, like I said, that information along to you. Uh, 855-853-4802 is a phone number to call in. 855-853-4802. And if you so care, as uh, Joe mentioned, he became an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. Uh, it starts only 5 bucks a month. You can do 5 10 or 15 bucks. completely up to you. Everybody gets the same thing. It's just a way you can help support our show and our community and the costs of us essentially doing business or just getting the show to you uh, because there's a lot of costs out there that uh, we have to incur, like bandwidth and things of that nature. So your donation helps out quite a bit, and we give you something in return uh, that means an extra podcast every single week. On the uh, last episode that we put out, the last extra podcast episode, we uh, heard from Anonymous in South Carolina. This is a woman whose husband uh, had seemingly been taken over a couple times uh, by some sort of dark entities. Well, this time some physical scratches actually showed up on him uh, after he had a nightmare and he was almost starting to recognize that there was something uh, unexplained and dark going on and you can hear that full story uh, on the EPP podcast uh, when you become one at Real Ghost Stories online. It was creepy. It was it was very creepy. In fact, she just even emailed me a picture today yeah. of the scratches. And it's not something you get from your bed unless you're sleeping with, like, a honey badger. Oh, gosh. <laughs> or something of that nature. And I don't think there was a honey badger in their bed. A so, little more than nails needing to be trimmed? A little bit more than nails needing to be trimmed, yes. Okay. So, uh, anyway, that's uh, just one of the stories that we covered on our last episode. So please do become one. We really appreciate it. It helps out the show, like I said. And you get some uh, some nice extras there. 855-853-4802 is a phone number. Hi. Hey guys, it's Jesse again. Um, I'm the one you called about a month ago about the uh, man in Iwakuni, Iwakuni, Japan that hung himself. But um, yeah, you guys are right. There are a, well, at least in Japan, it's historically haunted because of the wars and uh, especially Okinawa, in fact, um, around the military bases. In fact, there's a ghost that's pretty famous at one of the gates. there in uh, what, Okinawa, that if you're smoking a cigarette, as soon as you he'll well this guy will come up in like older World War II era uh, uniform, and um, as soon as you turn around to get or he'll ask for a cigarette, and as soon as you, as soon as you turn around to get a cigarette, people will turn around and he's gone. I have a friend who actually saw him. And a lot of people talk about it. It's been on shows. It's pretty interesting. And there's a lot of other ghosts there. It's it's fascinating if you're uh, interested, you know, in paranormal like you guys. Well, um, was calling. I, I hearing about you guys on the show talk about some of these stories. Um, like uh, there was that story of that girl who spoke about that witch with the snot hanging down, and um, it reminded me. And a couple of the stories, well, basically, being interested in the paranormal, and hopefully I'll have time to tell you my other story and the reason why, is I've read a lot of stories about people when they were kids, they have an entity approach them, and for instance, like this one guy, the story I read, when he was 10, 8 years old time frame, he was playing hide-and-go-seek, and he was hiding underneath the bed, and he heard these heavy footsteps coming up the stairs, and basically in came in, uh, what came in was like a cartoon wolf, but was very vicious looking. It was, he said it was a cross between real and fake, or cartoon, real and cartoon. And I've heard a lot of stories about that, and it's almost like demons or entities of that sort, uh, Malevolent. <laughs> I can't say. Ah, another one. Um, Malevolent. They they get inside your mind and they take on like the deep recesses of your mind, your subconscious, and they take on what you're really most afraid of, uh, some sort like that. I think I find it really fascinating. 
And also, I was just hearing the guy talk about Blood Omen and how seeing ghosts recently, you know, and, and uh, in his house, maybe it's because he's listening to too much of the show. And I think he, he I, I believe him because in Tibetan culture, basically a lot of archaic cultures, they believe in uh, like a spirit of the mind. And especially in Tibetan culture, they're called tulpas, where they will meditate. They have a special ceremonial practice through meditation and whatnot. You can actually create an entity from your mind. And there's a story, well, the story goes, I think, about 100 years ago or so, there was a British, a European woman who traveled to Tibet to learn the Tibetan Buddhism and all that. She heard about the tulpas, and the, the Tibetan masters warned her about it and stuff. But so the story goes, she created a tulpa, she meditated on a monk, and people talked about how she, as she traveled through Tibet and the areas there there a monk would follow her and was all happy and would smile and it was good but over time it was said that it turned evil it would never talk but it just would get an evil grin on it, on uh, on its face and just really scared her basically and uh, she ended up having to go to the Tibetan monks to do a certain ceremony to get rid of it and they end up doing it but hear a lot about that um, in other stories and stuff it's like these people create uh, these entities these poltergeists or, or um, it's almost like you you don't dwell on something or you're going to create a problem if you worry about it too much you know that kind of philosophy I just find it really fascinating how you, you do hear that a lot and I think it would best describe uh, describe a lot of uh, uh, quite a few hauntings but as far as me <clears throat> my first what really got me interested in the paranormal was when I was about nine ten years old um, well actually this is when I was about eight years old and I was I lived in this trailer park here in Chico uh, California and it was shaped like double wide trailer and as you're facing it there's a room on the right a hallway that split it and a room on the left as you're facing it this time i was on the room on the right <clears throat> closest to the wall um with the doorway to the hallway and there was a dresser um in front of me and i was on the ground on a mattress and the lights were on in the hallway and everything and i ended up looking up hearing a noise and i could hear the tv on my parents watching tv and everything and just over the dresser could have been no more than what three feet tall i saw the top of this pitch black head very short and it just kind of floated along came into the room and as it, it as it went into the uh, darkness the shadows of the room it just dissipated into it and then the weird thing is it was just darker than dark it was like a black hole it just sucking in all the all the shadows and the darkness well that scared the crap out of me and ended up just going right underneath the blankets and hiding until I finally fell asleep. <clears throat> well, fast forward a year later, my brother and I, we were in the other bedroom as you're facing it on the left side, and we're building a Lego castle and whatnot, and the door shut, and all of a sudden, we heard the door handle churn two times. We looked, my brother and I looked at each other for no more than a second, hopped up, opened the door, looked out, and on the other side of the trailer, which is a good 50 feet, I could see my dad laying on the bed. I could see his feet kicking on the edge of his bed, and my mom walking out of her bathroom talking to him, um, brushing her teeth. And so nobody could have, they, they were, there was nobody else in the house, and nobody could have touched the handle. Well, a, about a year later after that, in the same room that the door handle turned, I was sleeping on my bed in the far corner from the doorway. We all just went, well, I wasn't asleep, but we all just went to bed. Everybody was going to bed. And about 20 minutes into laying in bed, and I always takes me forever to sleep. And I'm looking in the doorway, and all of a sudden, the same pitch black figure, this time a full body shadow man, walks past the doorway just almost floating along but almost you could see his arms kind of move and as soon as 
I, I'm seeing it. I lift my head up just an inch to get a better look. It scared the crap out of me again. It stops. I can see it physically turn its head, looks at me for about three seconds, turns its head back kind of forward and walks into the same bedroom where I first saw it. And again, scared the crap out of me. It grabbed my sheet, pulled over my head, took forever to fall asleep, and uh, just putting, sticking my lips outside of the sheet, <laughs> breathing like that. <clears throat> and I think, you know, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, it's fight or flight, but it's fight or flight or freeze. And I think that's what a lot of kids do. You know, I did, because it's just so out of the normal to see that that's why i really appreciate your show and that's why i loved hearing ghost the ghost and now to have here something on a day-to-day basis because it's when you see something like that it just totally changes your paradigm um, in life and i grew up just knowing after that knowing that there's more to life than what you see and it just twists your paradigm but um well some years after that I was in the hospital, I had lower back surgery. Um, I'm disabled from the military. And um, the next day I woke up, or that, that night I woke up after the surgery and I l- looked towards the wall and I could see the shadow of a person and just walked out the room and I'm like, hello, hello for the nurse, nobody answered. And uh, the next day I was talking to the nurse and I told her about it and I'm like, oh, I must have been the meds. And she, she laughed, she, uh, she, or creepily laughed, and uh, she said that the day before I had surgery, there was an elderly lady who passed away in that room. I thought it was interesting. But, um, and then some years after that, I got in a fight with my girlfriend, and I took took a walk down the road and was cooling off. And, and uh, I remember I was on the phone with her, and... She said something, you know, we're in the heat of the, heat of the moment, and she's like, oh, you know, don't want to talk to you and whatnot, and said some, something mean, and I go, well, what if I died right now? You would, you know, that's the last thing you'd say to me, trying, you know, say something pathetic, I guess. But as soon as I said that, I saw this shadow person across the street kind of pop out of this bush, look at me, and then jump into another bush, almost like a, a dark... I don't know, like hearing me say that and just just everything I've heard about it and seeing these shadow people just makes me think they really, they suck off negative energy or they do create negative energy. I, I almost have to believe that they're almost like a demonic presence or even as, you know, as they are demons. I just... I've just really been fascinated by it. Really want to know what they are and what I've seen. It just creeps me out sometimes, keeps me up at night. But, um, yeah, thank you for your show. Really appreciate it. Loving what you guys are doing. And um, But, yeah, <laughs> hope you guys have a, uh, have a good night, and uh, hopefully I'll get back on the show. And thanks for doing this. It uh, It really is nice to hear other people and know that you're not crazy. Thanks a lot. Have a good one. Bye. Well, thank you for your call again. And, um, well, you want to know what a shadow person is? What do you got? Absolutely nothing. But we're still working on it, aren't we? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I think yeah, that that's you, you have no idea what. Yeah, nobody knows what. No, the, that, nobody that's the knows. Thing. I wish we knew. I wish we could tell you. I wish we could tell everybody. You know what gets me is we openly profess. You know, we don't. And the thing is, even the the there's not really an expert in this field. You no. know, it's it's there's very knowledgeable people in this field who've heard a lot of stories. Uh, who've who've been on investigations, uh, who've who've tried to help people, and they're knowledgeable, but still, at the end of the day, I don't think. Any, I mean, I think it, it's it's overstepping and saying they're an expert because at the end of the day, all of this still comes down to being completely speculative and one's opinion on what things are based on the, what they've heard, but it being so up in the air. It, 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 that's just what it is. It, it's up in the air. We know there's something there, but, but what are these? No one can definitively tell you. 
Right. And I think that's why this show's different is because, I mean, I know we have a few um, skeptics that like to listen for Mm -hmm. entertainment, but pretty much collectively, we're all in agreement that there is some kind of paranormal existence out there. Yeah. That we just kind of have as an underlying given with the show. It's just more of a figuring it out. How do we deal with these things and how do we live with them? Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. That's our starting point. I mean, it's not a if it exists, it's how to coexist, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's that's what this show is all about. That's why you guys share your stories. That's why uh, our our community responds to each other. Um, And for the most part, uh, people in our community don't profess to be uh you know well i just i can't do this because i I don't want to uh listen or i don't want to participate because i know more than you i have had a few of those you have and i'm just yeah privately in emails i was kind of like well best of luck (laughs) bye-bye because well if you know more than us then call in and help educate us well I, i i don't I don't think they do. I don't think anyone knows more than the others. No, but I'm yeah. always open to hearing somebody else's take on something. Yeah, and that's what we that's what we do. That's what we are. Yeah, that's um, the whole point. I don't think those people are. That's oh. that's the problem. Is is the person who thinks they know more than everyone else doesn't want to hear everyone else's take. That's that's the issue. There's not a lot of them, and 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 really, that's not the type of people you want in a community that's sharing ideas. No. So. That's, that's what not that sharing is. ideas. No, and that, that's really what it's all about. So if you have an idea to share, if you have some feedback on the stories that you hear, or if you want some feedback on your stories, uh, feel free to call in or write in at any time, 855-853-4802, 855-853-4802 is our phone number. Of course, you can always write in on our website at realghoststoriesonline.com. Uh, interesting feedback on the sage thing. Somebody said, I'm really sorry, but I still can't wrap my mind around the sage smudging for demon removal. If I were a demon, I'm really not. <laughs> it says, uh, and a family were attempting to chase me off through smudging, I'd simply laugh in their face. I would get a really big laugh from their efforts and continue to be mean and nasty in their home. And that's interesting. And see, I don't think you, I don't think you use sage to get rid of a demon. I think sage is more to help kind of clean the energy. But if you got a demon, you got bigger problems. And you're going to need yeah. much bigger stuff than sage. Yeah, because it was interesting what Joe said about it, mm-hmm. where he was saying that it, it's more so to his take on it was that it 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 helps show them. Sure. Uh, others say it's almost like. The Lysol for demons, like I know uh, Cisco's take on it, is it's it temporarily <laughs> removes your demonic well, problems. No, so, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go so far as to say that. Okay, from Joe's standpoint, and and dealing and looking at demons, uh-huh. yeah, Sage probably isn't going to be that helpful. Sure. But from like Cisco and my standpoint, uh-huh. having you know the 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 empath yeah type of of thing going on there. We're so sensitive to negative energy, even when there's not a demon mm-hmm. or anything going on, that it kind of helps cleanse that. So it's not really for getting rid of demons. You know, you can maybe try it to see if it helps make things feel better around your house. Mm-hmm. But if you have a true, true demon, yeah. you're going to need to be dealing with something else. So much for the demon away, Aerosol. Yeah, Aerosol. no. And see, that was something that I've just recently kind of gotten clear on because I thought too, I thought, oh, well, I'll just burn a little sage and yeah. not that we have a demon and knock on wood, hopefully we don't yeah. ever, but now I kind of have a clearer picture. Does that make any sense? I'm actually more confused about it now since Joe's uh, weighing in on the topic. Okay. Um, I don't know if anyone else is more confused on this now because it almost kind of sounds contradictory. Well, I don't mean for it to sound contradictory. What I mean is... No, not, not you. I mean, it's when, with, with Joe weighing in on it, he said that it's not necessarily to cleanse a home or... Mm-hmm. He made it sound like it more so brings it out. And from the other things we've talked about, it sounds like people were thinking it pulls it away or I guess temporarily hides it. Okay. For lack of a better term. Okay. See, and I, I think it's two different opinions. Okay. That That's my guess. Do you see where I'm coming from? I see where you're coming from, yes. See, that's why I'm confused. And this is like what the show does to me on everything on the ghost topic, <laughs> is I go into it kind of thinking one thing, and then I hear all these different takes from people who are fairly educated on yeah. these topics. 
and of course you're going to have it, it's differing opinions you know and, and and mindsets and so i'm more confused well i still think though i'm just going to stick with it using it in stuffing okay i still think <laughs> if you know you've got something demonic in your house that maybe not not even messing with sage because it's probably not going to help things and and like joe said it may make it worse yeah um but if it's just like you just kind of feeling down you want to feel a little bit better maybe burn some sage to clear out the energy just yeah on a non-demon reading level yeah just more so as a earth roll uh you know get back in touch with nature yeah <laughs> for lack of a better term yeah grounding yourself grounding yeah uh yeah okay i get that that that's, makes sense that's my understanding and that's kind of how i think cisco uses it too mm-hmm. okay so it's it's not because i don't think she's necessarily smudging out demons no. all the time but okay no okay so there that does make some sense mm-hmm. kind of so confused on the demon use of it but just for the grounding? I, I don't yeah. think there is a use of it no. for demons. Another letter. Uh, in some Asian religions, people believe in what they refer to as hungry ghosts. Okay, I've heard that term before. It's customary for families to put out food offerings to appease the spirits. Uh, if this is not done, the spirits haunt the families throughout the coming year. According to the uh, practice, the practice is done around the Asian New Year. Okay. So you feed them once and then they're they're good? Once and done. Okay. Yeah, set it and forget it. You know, that's that's easy enough. I would do that. I uh, I wonder if someone like ever forgot to feed the uh, the ghosts and if they'd haunt things. I, and I'm 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 being a smartass and serious at the same time. Did has anyone who does this in their culture? If it's something you do, and I'm I'm not asking this in, in a non-serious way. Have you ever forgotten to do this? And did you have an increase in hauntings? If anyone can answer, I'm very curious to hear the story. That's all. Okay. I'd be very interested. Um, and my other question, too, is... Because we did have a story the other night of someone who... Where they did put the food out, mm-hmm. essentially, like this. Um, but but the, the ghost ate the chicken wing the night before. Yeah, they found it themselves. Yeah. Um, I, I'm wondering if there's any other stories of ghost-eating food. So if anyone has any ghost-eating food stories... Uh, I'd love to hear that, too. Okay. 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call in to Real Ghost Stories Online. Let's go to another caller here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Hello. Hi, Tony. Hi, Jenny. I'm Shannon from Spokane. I have a ton of things to tell you. I've written one story to you before, but now I've worked up the courage to call you with this story. I'm very nervous, but I'll try not to fill my time with ums and ahs. And if I sound too rehearsed, I'm sorry, but I've written it down so I don't get lost in the middle of my story. (laughs) I was reminded of this happening by a couple of calls I heard on your show the other day. I'm still playing catch-up, so I'm, uh, they probably aired a while ago, but, uh, anyway, it was, uh, stories about people uh, coming to say goodbye before while they're passing uh what i have to tell you isn't a haunting it's one of those goodbye visits my dad passed when i was 10 and he had had heart problems and had his aortic valve replaced it was 1968 so heart surgery was still pretty young he came through the surgery very well but there was so much damage already in his heart that he had two heart attacks had to be shocked back to life and then the third time it was just too much for his weak heart and he passed he had been in the hospital for a month and um we had we had a friend staying with us from out of state whose husband was also in the hospital and she and my mom were good friends so it was really great comfort for both of them we had a dog and that night he had been howling all evening and nothing made him stop If we brought him in the house, he'd just whine and scratch at the door to be let back out and go back to howling. My sisters and I were in school, and so we had to go to bed at our regular school bedtime. But being the baby, I got to sleep with my mom since these were special circumstances. Um, My sisters both had their own rooms upstairs. At around 1.30 in the morning, the phone rang, and I've been told that the dog stopped howling right then and didn't howl the rest of the night. I woke up when the phone rang, but I laid there trying to go back to sleep, but I had had a dream about my dad. 
there were a few things about him that I'll tell you, and then they'll make sense in a few minutes as I continue my story. My dad worked shift work at a steel mill here in town, and my mom packed his lunch, as a lot of wives did back then. And the mill also gave out vitamin C to the workers, trying to keep them healthy. I loved these vitamins, and he always brought them home to me in his lunchbox. And when he'd come in, he'd hand me his lunchbox, and I'd get the vitamins out. <laughs> and he also smoked and rolled his oats, as many men did, too. So that's a little backstory on him. Um, back to my story. In my dream, my dad came in the door from work, as he did every day that he worked, gave me his lunchbox, and I got the vitamins out, and he came through the kitchen into the dining room and sat at the dining room table. I came in and sat on his lap, and he rolled a cigarette and put it between his lips as if he was going to light it, before, but before he lit it, he swept the tobacco crumbs off the table with one hand into his other hand. Then he brushed them into the ashtray from his hand and wiggled his fingers like he was trying to get all the crumbs off. And this was his routine every day, so that was just normal. And then he told me he had to go, and he stood up. And I cried and begged him to stay, but he insisted that he had to go, but everything, that everything would be fine. And then he hugged me, and he walked out the back door. That's when I woke up. After a few minutes laying there in bed trying to figure out, you know, why I had this dream. I was pretty upset, and so I called for my mom. And our friend that was with us, Mary Lou, yeah, that's her real name. She was a born and bred West Virginian. <laughs> um, she came in and tried to get me to go back to sleep, but I just really wanted my mom. So she got my mom, and my mom came in to comfort me. And when she came in, I told her about the dream, and she kind of looked at me strange, but then she told me that the hospital had just called and that my dad had just passed away. So I didn't think much about the dream after that because, of course, things got kind of busy and crazy. But the next day we were talking about things and I found out that my sister had just come downstairs and told our mom about a dream that she had just had. It was the very same dream with me sitting on his lap and begging him to stay. I know it sounds crazy, but even to this day, I can still, I can smell the tobacco and I can just see exactly what he was doing. And uh, it was the exact same dream. It's just crazy. But <laughs> that was, uh, I'm sure, he, him coming to tell us goodbye. And the dog, he wasn't a howler by nature, but he howled on that day every year until he died about eight years later. Well, that's my goodbye bye visit. I feel so privileged to have this memory of my dad, and I know you guys have had questions about visits in our dreams. I don't know any more than you guys do, probably not as much, actually, but it was explained to me this way, and I've heard it a few times, and it really makes sense to me, that when our loved ones come to us in a dream, if it's so vivid that you just swear that it's real if you can feel them touching you and like you've had a hug or that you're in the same room that that's really a visit and it's different than a regular dream because you don't have that same feeling and that just really makes sense to me um because it, it is it's, it's so different i've had both kinds of dreams and the visit ones you really do feel like you've been with that person so that's my story, and I'm so glad that you guys are doing this show. It's so great. We have a place to tell our stories and feel like somebody else understands what we're saying. Just love the show, and you guys are doing great. Thank you so much. Bye for now. Thank you so much. It's group therapy for the paranormally affected. It is, and I think it's important. It is. I mean, I think it really is cool how we are all kind of coming together as a community with these stories. And I said this in a previous episode. I think I said it um, in the first half of that episode where you were not here that one night, um, where it seems like everyone has a ghost story. Everyone on this planet has a ghost story. It's a matter of the ones who are comfortable enough sharing it out loud. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I don't think everybody is. And I think there's some people who have had unexplained things and they kind of write it off as, nope, nope, not a ghost, not a ghost, not a ghost, not a ghost. And the more folks are able to open up and not be judged as being crazy, I think the more 
folks like that who are so hesitant to share their ghost story, we're, we're edging them a little bit closer to that threshold of being, okay, here's the story I'm going to tell, and I don't know what you're going to think of it, but here it is. Sure. And instead of just kind of keeping it bottled up. So... Well, and not only that, I don't know about anybody else. I, I would imagine this is true for others, but there have been things that have happened in my life that until I started being a part of the show, I didn't even think were paranormal until yeah. we started talking about it. And I, I can say that for two things. That was my imaginary friend. And then also that dream that I had when my great grandmother came to comfort me when my dad was in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And it was just like what, what this lady just talked about. Um, she, you know, she said that they, that she could touch him and smell whenever, you know, I can remember mm-hmm. my great grandmother was, was stroking my hair, telling mm-hmm. me it was going to be okay. Yeah. A lot of this comes through relating some of these stories like, oh, I'm not the only one who's had this experience. Yeah. And, and it's, and, and sometimes it's going, oh, you mean it's not normal? You know, like, like with the imaginary friend, I mean, it's not normal to, to not see your imaginary friend. It's not normal yeah. to not be able, I mean. Yeah, I mean, and it was kind of shocking on both ends. We initially had the discussion because you were shocked that everyone didn't see their imaginary friends. Well, yeah. And I was shocked that you did see your imaginary friend. I'm like, what do you mean you actually saw your friend, you know? You know, it, it's it's kind of, it puts things into perspective with the community aspect and hearing these stories. Mm-hmm. And, and with such a topic that's so not really openly discussed normally, uh, that's why a lot of these things don't come up in conversation. Because people don't want to talk about them in conversation unless they're around a campfire, right. uh, you know, once a year or at Halloween, you know. Uh, at least every day now, if you got something, you can share it and you can get it out there and we can discuss it. And you're not going to be judged as crazy. So... Thank you all for calling in and being part of this community and helping us grow this community. We really do appreciate it. And thanks to our EPPs for helping to financially support us doing this show. Uh, you can become a part of that. You can find out how to do that. It's five bucks a month. You get an extra episode. Uh, you go to the website, realghoststoriesonline.com, and click on Become an EPP. Here's a letter. Uh, Hi, Tony and Jenny. I thought I would share my husband's experiences in a haunted house while growing up in Toledo, Ohio. Um, I was in Toledo once a long time ago. Yeah. I had a friend who lived there doing radio, Mm -hmm. and uh, I was 17, I think, 16 or 17, and I made up a story and told my parents that I was going to visit my girlfriend's grandmother for Christmas, and we were going with her parents or something. I think I've heard this story. It was complete bullshit. Um, Yeah. And... uh, uh, can, I'd already broken up with the girlfriend, so it wasn't even a possibility. <laughs> um, but it happened like just right there at the timing, so that was bad. But I went with, and I went with a friend who was extremely responsible. Like he was a total nerd. Um, if you wanted the, your child to go on a road trip with someone, you couldn't have picked a more responsible individual to take a child on a road trip. Um, and why did he you was have to lie about it? Because my parents, I know, wouldn't let me no matter who it was. Oh. I mean, I could have been riding with Jesus, and I wouldn't have been oh, alive. Oh, God, Tony. <laughs> I'm serious. They're like, no, I don't. Yeah, not today. Uh, <laughs> but, no, I mean, totally, you couldn't have picked a more responsible individual. The guy doesn't drink, doesn't do drugs, worked at me at the radio station. We both worked with this other guy. We're going to go visit him. My friend Todd, who's written to the show. He was working Oh, you're at, going in, to visit Todd? Yeah. Okay. He was my first boss, and my parents knew Todd, too. Anyhow, went to Toledo. And uh, we just went there for, the problem is go there for one, drive there, which is about seven, eight hour drive, go there, hang out for the night and drive back. It was just kind of a I cannot believe your crazy, anxiety allowed you to do that. It was a great adventure. Oh my gosh. It was a great adventure. And we, we drove through like a snowstorm. Uh, yeah, it was, yeah, it was great. Uh, my parents figured it out when we were driving through Chicago that I wasn't uh, going to see my, my girlfriend. <laughs> Yeah. Because they called over there. And they're like, oh, they broke up last week. <laughs> and then they're like, where, where is he? Then they figured out where I was and they called and they're like, oh, we're already on our way. So we're not turning around. Um, and then I was in trouble for like a month. But anyhow, wow. got to Toledo. My memory of Toledo is this. Staying at a hotel. It was Toledo. Interesting town. When I was there, um, kind of dirty. I don't know if I just saw the bad part of it. I don't know. Maybe there's some Toledo folks who can fill me in a little bit more. I'm not saying like Gary, Indiana or Detroit dirty or anything like that. Um, but uh, I remember going to their we stayed at a Best Western downtown. I think it was the Best Western. It was a tall high rise building. As tall as they get there really. Um, and uh, kind of falling apart and we went up to the pool to go check that out at the top of the building and it's completely empty. <laughs> Big pool 
on the roof, no water. Oh, wow. All lit up, though. Like, come on in and swim. <laughs> it was creepy. Um, okay, so your opinions of cities, I feel like is... <laughs> a lot in- of times not great. No, I feel like it's invalid completely. Because- Why? Because every city I talk about, I say it's not that great. Well, you think you moved... Okay, here we go. You moved to Wichita after seeing one shopping center area. You're right. You're the right. nicest area in town because your yeah. boss would not let you see the rest of the city. <laughs> you're so right. So you moved to Duda no, you're right. after seeing... A few stores. Yeah, and, and like I said about, but what I'm saying, like I said, I'm not judging Toledo. I said maybe I just saw the bad parts. Yeah. Maybe there's a really good part. From what I saw on that trip, just telling you my experience on that specific trip, it was like everywhere we drove was like an oil refinery and was kind of dirty. But again, maybe I just saw the bad side of the town. Yeah. I'd love to hear if there's a good side of the town. I bet you just saw the bad side. Could be. And I'm not, like I said, I'm not knocking the town. I'm just telling you what my experience was, and it was my personal experience. Because, like, Wichita is not a bad place, but the thing is, the whole city is not like that one shopping center area. Where no, it's not. All the rich people go to shop. It's actually a fairly large city, which people don't really realize mm-hmm. how large it is yeah. until they get it. I had no idea. I thought it was going to be like a, a big boy on in an interstate with some tumbleweeds. Oh, uh, okay. Seriously, that's what I thought. I didn't know it jack about Wichita. What's the population of Green Bay? I, I'm going to get this wrong, I know. I'm going to guess probably around 200, 250,000. Okay, see, we're twice that size, but yes. we do not have a football team. Well, they're the smallest city in the country to have a football team. I know. It's a pretty rare, that's why it's so rare and such a, but you have the Fox Valley there, and it's all kind of on top of each other. You have Appleton, Oshkosh, Fond du Lac, Green Bay, and it all kind of merges together. Yeah. Um, and Milwaukee's not far. See, right at like 550,000, and that's yeah. in the city limits. That's not the outlying suburbs. We can barely support a minor league baseball team with people to go to. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Anyhow, going back to the letter about Toledo, Ohio. Okay, yes. Let's full Let's circle. go back. Yep. My mother-in-law, Ruth, was a single mom and moved her family into the house on the east side of Toledo in the mid-1970s. Her father, my husband, James's grandfather, had been friendly with the former owner and had helped her maintain the property until her death. She left the house to him in her will. James was in the early teens and the oldest of four children. When he heard his siblings say they had seen or heard things in the new house, he was the first to tell his younger brother and sisters that they were letting their imaginations run away with them until he had an experience he'll never forget, the first of many. One night, James' cousin Patrick was spending the night with the family and the boys were sleeping in uh, two twin beds in one of the large bedrooms upstairs. In the middle of the night, James woke up because the sound woke him. He said it sounded like someone struggling to breathe. He rolled over, sat up, blinked his eyes several times because he was sure his eyes were simply not focusing right. After several seconds, he realized that he was what he was seeing was real. Patrick was being pulled off the foot of the bed and was straight as a board. Only his shoulders and head remained on the bed, but his legs were pointing straight at the bedroom door. Patrick was making mumbling sounds because, as he described later... His lips felt as if they were being pinched together. James was frozen, sitting on the bed looking at Patrick and didn't notice his hand was dangling off the bed until he felt excruciating pain in his hand. When James cried out, Patrick hit the floor and started to scream. All the family ran to the bedroom and the light was turned on. Ruth screamed because James' arm and hand were covered with blood. Upon inspection, his thumb had been almost completely bitten through. They all rushed off to the ER, and luckily, they were able to reattach James's thumb, and it works fine today. While driving to the ER, James and Patrick tried explaining what they had seen and experienced, but everyone was more concerned with what had bitten James. They had no animals in the house, and had never seen any mice, rats, or anything else that could explain it. The hospital was unable or unwilling to speculate what had caused the bite, and sedated James because he was yelling about the ghost... They must have done it. They never were able to find any explanation or signs of rodents for the bite. There were so many experiences in the house in the months that they lived there, it would take the entire show to retell all of them. A few others are worth mentioning. The family lived there through the holidays, and during a family get-together, everyone heard extremely heavy footsteps go from one end of the house to the other's upstairs, when they all knew... Uh, which they all knew would mean the person would have to pass through several walls to take the path it did. 
The thing that caught everyone's attention was the sheer volume of the steps. Imagine a house full of people that were all able to hear them. They had to be abnormally loud. There was a common occurrence in the house, including one while James and his grandfather were caulking the windows. His grandfather was a complete skeptic until standing on the ladder looking in the second-story window and hearing someone stomp up the window and pound the window right in front of his face. He saw and felt the window vibrate, but he could see no one. He jumped off the ladder and ordered James into the truck, and they quickly left. Ruth has many stories of things that she saw and heard in the house, but she speaks mostly of the night her parents had gone to Chicago to see a relative that was dealing with a terrible illness and not expected to survive much longer. Ruth awoke in the middle of the night to see her mother standing at the foot of the bed. Ruth asked what she was doing there, and her mother explained that they had come home because the relative had died. Ruth assumed they stopped at her house because it was closer than to their own, and they were simply tired. Ruth went back to sleep and was awoken by an early morning call from their mother. They were still at the relative's home in Chicago. He had, in fact, passed away in the night. Ruth had glanced at the clock when she had believed it to be her mother who woke her up in the middle of the night. It was 3.10 a.m. Ruth asked her mother what time her relative had passed, and he had died at 3.09. The final straw for the family was when James and his grandfather were looking at a water leak in the basement. It was an old house, and the floor of the basement was dirt. One side of the basement had a brick wall that was about four feet high and three feet short of the basement ceiling. The area behind the wall had been filled with dirt, leaving a crawl space between the ceiling and the dirt. They quickly discovered the water leak was in the crawl space area, so James was sent to crawl in. As he climbed in, a large section of brick wall came tumbling down under him, spilling bricks and dirt on James. As he pushed himself up, he felt something hard in the soil under his hand, so he dug up to, fi- to try and find what it was. When he pulled it out, he saw a bone. His grandfather tried to ease his mind by suggesting it was probably from a family pet, but James, being a teenage boy, kept digging. He found a few other bones, and the size did not meet his idea of a family pet. Ruth called the police, lightly giggling as she did. She told the dispatcher that they didn't think it was anything important, really, but they wanted to be sure. When the police arrived, it was quickly determined to be human bones. James' grandfather told the police that he had heard stories from neighbors over the years, but never dreamed it was anything but gossip. The story he heard was that the old lady that had left him the house had two sons. The older was thought by everyone for years to be the woman's husband. When asked, she never corrected them, so they assumed the younger son was a couple's only child. He was a little slow, as they said in those days. Didn't speak with any of the neighbors more than a wave leaving and coming home from his job. One day in the early 60s, a loud argument was heard coming from the house, and all the neighbors knew what it was about. The younger boy had told the local butcher when asked that the man the butcher thought was the young man's father was actually his brother. The mother had gone out to the local grocers later that week and overheard people talking about her strange relationship with her son. After the argument, the younger son was never seen again. When asked, the mother and older son said he had moved to work for work and no one bothered to check. Police searched the rest of the crawl space and did, not, and did find more bones for nearly a complete skeleton. The police called Ruth's mom later and informed her that the bones they had found had been identified using dental records. They were the bones of the missing younger son. The older son had committed suicide several years before the old lady passed away, so there was no one to question or prosecute. Ruth and her children left the house the day her bones were discovered, and Ruth only went back to get their belongings once the police said they could go in. Ruth packed everything herself during the daylight hours and would not allow her children into the house. Ruth piled the kids into the car, go grab the last boxes and told them to wait in the car. She went through the house to the bedroom where the boxes were. Ruth said she felt something following her the entire time. She grabbed the boxes and started down the stairs. But the third step down, Ruth heard a female voice scream right on her, her ear, get out and stay out, and felt two hands push her on her back. And she fell the rest of the way down the hard wood stairs. She crawled out the front door, and her kids, terrified to see her crawling out the door, out the door, ran to her aid. As soon as they got to her, they 
pulled her the rest of the way off the porch and the front door slammed shut. They did not go in for the next few boxes. I know from the family ever walked in that threshold again. Believe me, when I first heard this, I thought someone had seen too many horror movies. However, Ruth showed me the newspaper articles about the strange discovery of bones and the rumors that led the police to believe the older son and mother had killed the younger son. I also spoke with Patrick, and he tells the very same story. After having gotten to know James and Ruth over 36 years, I believed them completely. Several years ago, James and I did stop to ask a couple living in the house if they've ever experienced anything. I think I expected to be laughed at and have the door closed in our faces. To my surprise, they had a long, familiar story to share, and in fact, they were looking for a place to move at the time. They told us that a neighbor had spoken with them, and they were waiting uh, to tour the house with the landlord. They said she told them that most people didn't make make it a full year in the house, and that they heard strange stories from the many tenants and heard strange noises themselves. The house now stands empty and has been for at least five years. One final thing, as we who are interested in the paranormal have often wondered when we hear a story like this, was the house to blame for what happened or was what happened to blame for the haunting? A few years ago, Toledo released old photos taken for the tax department in the 30s and 40s. We went and looked up all the old family homes and, of course, the haunted one on the east side. Every photo was clear and crisp except for that house. We spoke with a librarian in charge of the collection, and she looked it up. She said the photo had been taken, had been retaken four times, and this was the clearest one, which was uh, unheard of in the collection. I have attached the photo, and it was taken decades before the murder. Oh, wow. That was a good one. I, uh, it sounds like a real-life Norman Bates, kind of. Yeah, it does. You know, that's, uh... And we put that photo, by the way, in case you want to see that photo. It is up in the photo gallery at realghoststoriesonline.com. And there's, um, I mean, it looks like your your kind of typical 1930s, 1940s-esque, you know, house. Uh-huh. Um, and then there's this weird glowing, you know, it, it looks like it could be, you know, a, a photo error of some sort. Or a glare. Or a glare of some sort. Or some sort of white entity in the middle of the... Uh, that's uh, clearly blocking somewhat of a view of the house. Um, and we labeled the uh, the picture House from Maureen's Letter because Maureen is the, uh, the author of that story who sent us that. So that was very creepy. That was a very good story. I wonder if that house is still there. That would be interesting. So thank you, Maureen, for uh, for sharing that story with us and sending in that picture. If you want to see the picture yourself, it is up in the gallery section under photos on realghoststoriesonline.com. So there you go. All right. That does it for another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. If you've not done so yet, please become an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. You get the extra podcast every single week. Here's some exclusive stories on there. It's a full bonus episode for you. Starts at only five bucks a month, and uh, you get the bonus episode, and you get the knowledge knowing that you are supporting this wonderful community that's been created by all of you called Real Ghost Stories Online and helps with those those hard costs of, of keeping the show on the air. So that's for a little wind in the sails of the show. 855-853-4802, the number again to call in with your Real Ghost Stories 24 hours a day, seven days a week. For Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. <laughs>